Hello and welcome to YA Book Jam, the monthly book club dedicated to YA books with your hosts, JL Bleakley. And me, Arden Jones. And me, Shelley Mack. Each month we select a recent YA title to read and discuss, but before we get into that, things are especially jolly in the YA Book Jam studios because yesterday at time of recording, which is a few weeks before this will be released, our own Shelley Mack released her debut novel, Landis. <laughs> we have wine and I'm chinging down, if you can <laughs> So Shelley, we'll hear a little bit more about Landis at the end of the podcast, but for now, how does it feel knowing your book baby is out in the world? Oh my goodness, it's crazy because for a while you've been living in this protective bubble where it's not in the world and it it really feels like quite exposed now that people are going to be reading it and reviewing it and I'm really grateful. But yeah, now I've calmed down today because yesterday was madness being at Waterstones and, you know, getting interviewed and today's been a nice kind of wind down. Well, if anyone writes a bad review, uh, me and Arden are coming for them, so that's not going to happen. yes. Um, My bodyguard. <laughs> exactly, yes. Well, I think us writers have thick skins. I think, yeah. you know, we have many years of querying and rejections and all sorts to prepare us for these moments. But yeah, we're still coming for you. If, if... <laughs> not you, not you, Shelley. Yeah, the people that write them. <laughs> so we're so excited for everyone to read Landis and we're so proud of Shelley. And we all have a celebratory drink, so this could get messy. I see a lot of editing in my future for this episode. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. But we're going to have fun doing it. <laughs> so this month is my choice, and it is The Immortal Games by Annalise Avery, published by Scholastic in May 2023. Every blood moon signifies the beginning of The Immortal Games. These epic games are played by the gods of Olympus, with randomly selected humans as their tokens. The stakes are high and survival unlikely. 17-year-old Ara seeks revenge on the gods for allowing her sister to die in the games. She's determined to be selected as a token, but when she is, the odds are weighed against her. As the trials become more brutal, Ara finds her heart tangled up in the game's outcome as well as her life. In the games of life and death, what will Ara sacrifice to win? So I'm very excited to get into this. Each one of us has different genres that appeal to us as readers. Shelley loves horror and thrillers, Arden more contemporary romance and suspense. I love fantasy, fairy tale retellings and murder mysteries. So between us all, we cover a really wide variety of genres, which is great because that means that there should be something for everyone in this podcast. And speaking for myself, I quite like to be pushed out of my reading comfort zone. I've been really surprised at how much I've enjoyed books that aren't necessarily my go-to genre, like the first two that we've done. So in saying all that, I'm a little nervous (laughs) because this month I have picked fantasy, specifically Greek mythology. And I know that is not my co-host's cup of tea, but I'm hoping you've been pleasantly surprised. We'll see as our discussion unfolds. But I picked this book because I love Greek mythology. I studied it in school and I've always been obsessed by Homer's Odyssey and Iliad and the legends of the Greek gods, which is essentially just an epic soap opera. I've read a lot of adult books in the genre, but never young adult. So when I saw this, I was really intrigued. I was also drawn in by the cover, which is just gorgeous. We've got pictures of it on our social media. It's stunning. So my first question to you ladies is how did you both feel going into this, knowing that it's not a genre you tend to read? And did the cover and title help to reel you in? Okay, so I'm going to say this, but please, um, listeners, know that this was just how I felt before I went in, not how I felt after. I did give my internal groan because I was like, oh, 
I really don't think I'm going to be into this at all. But this book, um, I think the thing that enticed me when I read like, the back of the cover was it obviously was compared to The Hunger Games. And I thought, well, if it is anything like The Hunger Games, then I'll be okay. When I looked at the cover, I thought well, it is a beautiful cover, right enough. Uh, very, very striking. And definitely one I would pick up in a bookshop because of the cover. So it was that there was some positives there as well. But I was thinking, I'm not really into Greek mythology. I, I wasn't going in with an awful lot of positivity, shall we say. But that's not how it ended up. But I will say at the beginning, that was my first thoughts. And we've got to be honest, don't we? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Fantasy is not something that I have generally read, but I'm reading a lot more of it, mainly because of my job, but also because I want to expand my brain and just learn more stuff. And I had no idea about Greek mythology. I've never been interested in it. So yeah, it was not something that would have appealed to me. So when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, Greek God, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to read this. But I did become really excited. And the reason is, I cannot believe it, but Annalise Avery came to my local bookshop. I'm just going to do a little plug here. The Chicken and Frog Bookshop in Brentwood in Essex. And I just was like, I'm going there. We've just spoke about that. We're going to talk about the Immortal Games. I went there. I met her. She was absolutely lovely. Aww. And she spoke about her book. She spoke about the process of writing it. And I was like, I'm really excited to read this now. It sounds so good. I even saw the dialogue. A little boiler there. <laughs> I even held them. I have a picture. I will oh, send it to you. So jealous. Yeah, it was very exciting, and it definitely changed my mind on the fact that I was like excited to start reading a book about Greek god and fantasy. So first impressions, ah, then become oh, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> And the cover, yes, the cover. The cover is amazing. It's like when you listen to a song and you're like, oh, I don't really know if I like that. And then, you know, by the, the end of listening to it several times, it becomes quite quickly one of your favourite all-time songs forever. Oh, that's, yeah. Wow. That's high praise. So just putting that in there. Well, I love Chicken and Frog as well. They are lovely in that bookstore and everyone needs to be checking out their local indie bookstores because they're just great and the staff are always amazing and know their books so well. I'm glad you both had an open mind about this. I'm so relieved. So getting into the story, I thought the author did a fantastic job with the opening chapter, laying down the foundations for this epic tale. By the end of chapter one, I knew what our main character, Ara's goal was, which is being selected for the games. The motivation for that goal to avenge herself sister's death and also the stakes of what would happen should she fail which is her own death that's the holy trinity of first chapters if you can nail down those in a clear concise way then you're going to hook your reader i immediately empathized with ara and found myself rooting for her from the start which is really important to me i want to be able to connect to a main character early on so i'm invested in the story and that definitely happened for me here what were your impressions of the opening and how did you feel about ara well i mean i have to mention because he's been spoken about in our last podcast this is now the third book in a row with a dead sister <laughs> what are we doing what are we like so we the, for the next book we have to choose like an alive sister for sure it's, it's got to happen we need to stop this so uh, like yes ara i absolutely agree with you jess I, I loved ara from the start and also avenging somebody is always going to be a winner plus she's an underdog just another tick in the box isn't it we all want a likable character that has a clear goal and she was definitely that it also was like i felt it was like believable she was a human that had the opportunity to kill a god and who would go 
oh yeah, that, that's a possibility. But actually, Annalise made that believable, and I thought that was amazing. So I'm going to be the the one that's the different one again in this. Going in, I wasn't really that taken with Anna, to be quite honest. Um, I thought it was a good first chapter. Again, I'm still a bit like, mm, not sure. Felt like because she was so estranged from her parents who were obviously dealing with the loss of their daughter. Basically, they didn't even see her. But I felt like that part was just like so sad. But I think my thoughts going in was because of that, she was also quite a detached character at that point. So we weren't really getting to know her very well. So I couldn't connect. Not at that point. Not yet. Anyway, so the, the goal was very clear, obviously, vengeance. But what I did feel at the end of the chapter was, okay, I don't expect to fall in love with a character straight away anyway. Like, I actually like to have that sort of intrigue at the beginning. Where's the character art going? And that was definitely there for me. So at the end of the first chapter, I was interested. And I was interested to see what was coming next and where she was going to go with her character art. Because at this point, I had no idea about Hades and what was going to happen. Because that's not really given away from the back of the book. But yeah, at the end of the first chapter, I wasn't invested in Ara yet. But I was interested to see what was coming next in her yeah absolutely and again another podcast and we all have really different views and it just goes to show you that no two readers read the same book which is kind of the magic of yes, it yes. as well so that's really interesting and I, I love all the answers and we should say every podcast we do is heavy spoilers so if you haven't read this book yet go read it first <laughs> pause the podcast run to your local bookstore indie bookstore buy the book read it and then come and listen to this because there will be spoilers the whole way through this so there's another character that we're introduced to very early on, and that is Theron, Ara's trainer, friend, and love interest. He's good looking, strong, skilled, and favorite to be chosen as a token and potentially even win the game. So what's not to like? At the start, I felt like Ara was more into him than he was into her. He seemed a bit more into himself. What did you guys think of their romance in the early stages? Did you spot any red flags? I, I, I don't think I did spot any red flags there. I, I actually genuinely thought that he was quite into her and that she was a bit unsure about how she was feeling, but holding herself back because at the end of the day, all she was caring about was her vengeance gig. And I think she probably expected that once she was going to go into the games, she may very well not live through it. I think that she probably wasn't really looking for love at this point and she was trying to keep back from it although there was some sort of feeling there so uh, for me I was more thinking about what she was invested in in terms of her potential relationship with her and, and I thought oh yeah he's into her he likes her um, again I didn't know that there was going to be potential love triangle looming but I didn't like him I'm going to be honest I didn't take to him straight at all straight away because I was like oh he's quite self-assured quite arrogant I don't know. For me, the only red flag is that I didn't take to him and I didn't like him. But I didn't think there was anything suspicious about him or anything like that. I just didn't take to him. No, I'm the same as you, Shirley. I didn't notice it at first either. I mean, I don't know if it's because I was still like trying to get my head around the Greek god and not because Annalise had written it in a confusing way, but because I'd never really been interested in it and never really learned about them. Every time one was mentioned, I needed to sort of go back and learn a little bit about it in order for me to understand why they act the way they would. And so I kind of got a little bit lost at the beginning because of the Greek god. 
thing, but that is all because of my understanding. So I didn't spot any straight away. I definitely did start spotting them sort of middle onwards. And I definitely didn't realise there was going to be this potential love triangle. Yeah, I, I had no idea. But as the story went on, I was like, oh my goodness, he is awful. Like you said, Shelley, his arrogance, no bounds to it. He thinks he's untouchable. He thinks he's going to win everything. And I think he was really, really well. But yeah, to answer your question, Jess, I I had no idea at the start. I just thought he was totally into her. And I thought she was really into him. And it was just going to be like, she was going to have to try and save him at some point in the story. And it was going to be like a love story between them two. That is where I was going with it at the beginning. And I was kind of rooting for that because I didn't really think anything bad about him. Yeah, I was the same in the fact that I didn't know Hades was coming along. Like there was nothing to imply it. So there was no way anyone could guess that that was going to happen. Yeah, maybe I'm just really suspicious of any chiseled, good looking guy in a young adult book not just a book in real life surely who do you think you are (laughs) yeah in real life too I'm just like you're too pretty do you think it's because we're also analyzing the books more than we would ever do before so we're trying to read more into these characters whereas before we would have just read them for pure enjoyment maybe maybe (laughs) we're writers we it's like we can't not do it as well it's like we're basically picking apart absolutely everything so suppose it's kind of like natural that we would be doing that no you're right at the heart of this story is a family grieving we've got ara's parents who you mentioned earlier shelley who are struggling with the loss of their oldest daughter and then there's ara who's juggling survivor's guilt with her kind of all-consuming desire for revenge things take a dramatic turn with a fire in the temple where while trying to save her mother ara tragically perishes it's a bit bold to kill off your main character so early on in the book the games hadn't even started yet i mean it was a plot twist (laughs) and this was not the end for ara but it was just the beginning and as we learn the reason why she was even entered into the games in the first place as hades enters our story so it's a fresh take on hades we learn that as the god of the underworld he actually values and cherishes human life and so he only chooses tokens who are about to die anyway to play for him in these deadly games where survival is unlikely at best what did you think of this turn of events and what were your first impressions of Hades wow this is a question because at this point when it it was like there was this fire and and Ara was like trying to go in to save her mum I was thinking she's going to come out unscathed or maybe with like a a slight burn or something and then I, I turned the plate like I'd read it and I flipped over and then I was like what just happened so I had to read it again because I was like surely that didn't just happen she didn't just die like how is this going to carry on even though I was enjoying it up until then that's when I was really like okay here we go I'm (laughs) going to really really love this now I love that twist and I I really love the idea of Hades only choosing tokens that were banging on his door I just thought that was a really good idea but also it's like just foreshadowing into his oh he has a heart what we think about Hades is this awful scary god of the underworld and like you just imagine this be the worst god ever but yeah it's like he's going to be good he's only taking people that are about to die and he's giving them another chance at life but there was another part of me that was thinking oh he's too good to be true and there was a point in the book when Theron said not to trust him and I was like I kind of maybe agree maybe it's not just jealousy coming from him that maybe he isn't this lovely person after all because I'm thinking um he's showed you this good side he's going to save some like he's going to save Ara but then I was expecting a complete plot twist there as well like he was going to turn really bad but I was totally invested at this point oh yeah I have to agree like I I wrote down in my notes uh, that this was a total game changer for me at this point and this was when I fell in love with Ara's mm. character 
because she made that self-sacrifice, like completely willing, just threw herself into it to save her mother. And I was like, love her. Brilliant. She didn't even have to think about doing that. For me, I was like, yeah, that was so important. And I also, I don't know if I spoke about this before, the dead catting technique. Did I speak about this before in one of our other podcasts? Uh, no. No. So basically, it's a technique that's worked into a book. So it doesn't throw off the integrity of the mainstream plot. But what it does is it adds an element to your story where it distracts from the main plot with a shocking twist. So this was like, oh, my goodness, that was exactly what that was there. Because I was like, like you said, Arden, I was like, I can't believe they've done this so earlier on in the book. And I, I had another gasp moment like I did with our last book on Flight 171. I was like, no, she can't be dead. You know, she can't actually be dead. What is going on? So, yeah, I was like, I thought it was brilliant. And I knew, obviously, she wasn't going to be dead, that there must be some other way to to introduce her back into the story. Um, but I was massively invested and straight into the next chapter. So that brings in Hades then, we learn about him. I just loved that he was this strong character within himself, but yet he had this wonderful conscience. And he really just effectively wanted unity in his family without the aggression and the anger and the hatred. And, you know, that just need to succeed. You know, I, I loved how he had that nice balance, but it was so off balance that you wanted to see him try and integrate that into, you know, the God system. So I was like really invested. I didn't, I trusted him. I didn't feel as if I had any distrust towards him. And I loved the fact that the people in the underworld that you then realise that Ara now has a second chance in life because she comes back through the underworld. And then that started sparking off some questions for me about what might happen later on in the story, who she might meet, who she might come across. And the loved that because I had a little bit of, like you said, there was foreshadowing there for future elements throughout the rest of the story. Yeah, I agree. And I have lots of feelings about Hades, as I'm sure anyone who has read this book does as well. But we'll get into that later. First of all, I want to talk about the change of point of view in this story. We start in a first person narrative when we're in Ara's point of view. And then we jump to a third person narrative when we're with the gods. I'll admit that I'm not normally a fan of jumping in and out of different points of views. But in this particular case, I thought it was really clever as the first person narrative humanized the characters as we were literally walking in their shoes. We were thinking what they thought. We were feeling what they felt. Then the third person, when it was the gods, we became detached observers, which is exactly how they were with humanity in the story. They were emotionally detached. They were viewing from afar, watching humans as if they were playthings for their own entertainment. And so I thought it was such a clever technique the author used. How did you feel about the change and going back and forth between the two? I thought it was really well done in this book because you've got so many different characters that it would be very different, difficult to see it from one point of view anyway. So it was quite good to have that detachment from their character and have it explained more in an overall rounded way. So I actually thought it worked really well and I was quite happy with that. Yeah, well, I, I, I agree with both of you. You both said exactly what I was thinking. I really love that you get to be with Ara on her journey. You're, you know how she feels as she's, as she's moving forward and everything that's happening. But I love that you can then get to see everything from an outsider's point of view when you're with the gods. Um, and I don't think it would have worked as well if it had been all told from like their point of view or just from Ara's point of view. So I absolutely thought this was the right way about it. And I generally like that anyway um, in books because 
you just get to see things from different perspectives and um, I think you can sometimes understand characters a bit more. Yeah and I really liked how there were two stories going on both with high stakes as well so we had the human aspect of the games which was just survival and also Ara's desire for revenge then you had the feud between three brothers between Zeus and Hades and Poseidon and that had its own high stakes because their fight affected the whole world we had the god of the sky the god of the sea and the god of the underworld so if they're going to clash like it's going to cause some real damage and we saw through the fates and by the way I the fates are some of my favorite characters in Greek mythology they're just so cool and I love how they're weaving life's tapestry and just cutting threads when lives end but we find out through them that this fight between these three brothers for power has caused a knot and if it isn't unraveled the world as we know it will never be the same and I just love that there was these two completely different agendas going on with this story the human agenda to win then the god's agenda which was Zeus and Poseidon's greed and Hades just trying to find a solution so that this wouldn't end up in an all-out war so it was really really exciting to read but while we're on the subject of gods we're introduced to quite a few of the Greek gods I'm going to try and give a run through so we have Zeus, god of the sky and all other gods. We have Poseidon, god of the sea. Hades, god of the underworld. Aphrodite, goddess of love and beauty. Apollo, god of the sun, music and poetry. Ares, god of war. Artemis, goddess of the hunt. Demeter, goddess of grain and the harvest. Dionysus, god of wine and revelry. Hephaestus, god of fire. And Hera, goddess of women, children and the home. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) that was amazing so my question is if you were in the immortal games which god or goddess would you want to be a token for i thought it would be the same for everybody so i kind of like would be interested if we all just said who we want to and then we'll all explain so i think we should all go on three and all say who we think so are, are we ready yes okay one two three go Hades. Hades. <laughs> I, I'm shocked because I literally thought everybody was going to say Hades because what? Like, what does he say? You're the sun, Ara. You're a guiding star. You can light your own darkness. You have lit mine. Like, are we not all swooning at that? Just thinking, oh, like we can play this awful game yet have a bit of fun on the side. Like, also, like if Hades falls in love with us, just going to be amazing. And also, like, just gonna say, never-ending bag. Yes, please. I was more thinking about just myself and my own personality, uh, so that's why I said Hera, not like necessarily based on like this book or the character in this book, but just like what Hera represents women children in the home I kind of like that and I thought that that's quite me outside of my writing that's basically me I mean Arden you're right Hades is very appealing in this story but I'm quite competitive and I didn't feel like he cared about winning the games I felt like he was more concerned about boring things like people surviving (laughs) and again a bit like Shelley like thinking of myself anyone who knows me knows that I have a huge soft spot for pirates and I'm a pirate at heart and I love the ocean I love the water I love being close to the water and because of that I think I would choose Poseidon so speaking of these gifts Throughout the games, the tokens are given gifts from their gods. And Ara is somewhat disappointed with Hades' gifts, which are, they come across as a little bit lame when she first gets them. He doesn't understand that what all girls want 
is weapons to protect themselves and he won't give her a weapon because he doesn't want her killing anyone other than me who said never ending bag yeah, <laughs> yeah apart from a never ending bag <laughs> but he values human life so he doesn't want her killing anyone so speaking of these gifts i know you've said arden lots of times you love this bag and it is a good gift it's very practical but I do wonder, like, you know how sometimes when you have a big bag and you can never find what's at the bottom of it because you're like, imagine a never ending bag. How would you ever find your lip gloss at the bottom of that? I don't know. Wow, it's a magical bag. You put your hand in and it'll just come out. <laughs> well, that's like, true. It's not that's true. my bag. It did remind me a little bit of Hermione's bag in Harry Potter where she could fit everything in it. But it's a good gift. Mary Poppins. And Mary Poppins as well, yes. So speaking of these gifts, which of the gifts did you think was best or which was most useful? I have to say I like the red. I have got a massive fondness for invisibility. Again, I'm going to bring my own book into this for just a second, but there is a key character in that book that might be gifted with invisibility. And I loved in Harry Potter, the invisibility cloak. So whenever there was this element here, this gift of the ring, I was like, yes. That's what a hundred percent. That's what I would definitely choose because I think that's a very, very crafty thing to be able to um, maneuver. Oh God, yes, an, an invisibility ring—that's amazing. But also, every time we do these podcasts, you just something you say always makes me think of Buffy. So, like, I'm totally with you on that episode where she's she's <laughs> ignored and turns invisible. I just I I love that, and I think if I was sort of given the choice, I either have this or have whatever that gift is, or have an invisibility ring, I would always go invisibility ring. But and I mentioned it earlier, but the, the bag was I think the most important gift there was because no matter what you put in it it will last and you don't always need weapons you just need to have a brain and I think that's what Ara had um so I think if I was thinking sensibly about it I would say the bag but also if you had the invisibility ring you could just go anywhere and just win which is gutting why she got it so late in the game it's like why is he just waiting right till the end to go oh here you go have this ring like you could have given that to her at first and she would have got all this way up until this point but yeah I would go I would go bag I think that was probably the best gift for me and she saved someone's life with a bag as well yes she put someone in that yeah. bag yeah yeah <laughs> so, we've no idea if they was going to survive like if yeah. this person stay in this bag will they die in this bag like who knows I, I love that I thought it was a really clever yeah. thing there's a lot of the gifts I thought were really cool and just really imaginative and weirdly the ones that stuck with me though I thought of the cornucopia that kept giving you food and then there was also the never-ending wine as well and I mean they wouldn't have helped me win but I would have had a great time I I swear by the fact that we really don't have cheese sitting here next to us drinking wine and food please I think we're forgetting that we're meant to be doing games and trials here we just want to have like some wine and cheese yeah yeah with the Greek gods that would be great wouldn't it So as the story progresses, so does Ara and Hades relationship. And as a little goth girl at heart, I cannot begin to express how much I just loved this take on Hades. The dark haired, blue eyed, misunderstood, brooding god of the underworld. I was swept away by him along with Ara. And who knew Hades was a book boyfriend that I'd been looking for my whole life. (laughs) One of the things I really liked as well is I think probably the Hades that most people have seen if they aren't into Greek mythology would be the Disney version of Hercules and the Hades in that is a villain and he also has that fiery blue hair so I kind of love that every time she talked about his blue eyes it just reminded me of Hades blue hair in the Disney cartoon as well so I quite like that nod to it as the relationship's progressing I don't 
know if I would describe Ara and Theron and Hades as a love triangle. For me, I think of a love triangle as you don't know which person they're going to choose. It's kind of, you don't know which way it's going to go for a while. And for me, it was always very clear that she had stronger feelings for Hades and that Theron had shown his true colours by that point. But I don't know if that was just my own bias because I was clearly completely enamoured by Hades. And I was like, why wouldn't you choose him? He's a babe. Like, I just didn't see how there was any sort of disagreement or like, what what were you having to think about? So would you have called them a love triangle? And while we're on the subject, so we've never really talked about this before. What do you think of the love triangle trope? Oh, okay, well, I'm going to just talk about Hades first. Uh, just touching on a couple of things that you said. I think he's like the stereotypical, misunderstood bad boy. He was like Johnny Depp from Crybaby, yeah. Jesse and Gilmore Girls, yeah. Damon Salvatore in the Vampire Diaries. Like mm-hmm. he was that character for me. He's notoriously known as a bad god. But underneath all that, he is the love of your life. And I was just like, I am in this. I'm so in this. <laughs> so yeah, I absolutely with you, Jess, fell in love with Hades. But yes, I love a love triangle. I really do love a love triangle trope. We're we're in this book, we're on this journey and we what we need to be hooked. So if we're always like thrown from one to the other, but with real believable reasons why we we don't know why that character's going to choose either one you know we think Bridget Jones's diary mm-hmm. you you don't know who really you want because they both have their good sides and I, I love that so yeah I think like being split between like two possible love interests is always going to keep a reader hooked just what is there not to love is there anybody that doesn't love that I would like to find one anyway and I would like to for them to explain why because I just don't get it but it has to be done well. And I think in the Immortal Games, I wasn't actually sure what was happening. I felt like we was going to go into a love triangle because like it, it was a love triangle at the beginning because I feel like it was quite obvious. There was Ara and Theron who they'd, they'd had this romantic time. They'd, had, they'd even kissed at one point, but then we had her feelings towards Hades and then we started spotting the red flag. So then it, it was obvious it wasn't going to be a love triangle, but for a moment it was. Yeah, I think it was kind of like a, almost like a book of two halves. So like in the first half, I definitely think it was posed as a love triangle um, because because of the kiss at the early, uh, you know, the early bells in the book. So I was definitely thinking that that's where it was going. But I think once Hades is in there giving it all his loved up stuff, you're just like, nah, there's nobody that could uh, compete against a god. Certainly not. And certainly not Hades in the way he's portrayed in this book. And I think it's a perfect portrayal with a perfect balance of his character. As far as uh, love triangles go, I am here for that. That is that is what I want in every single book that I read. I just love a love triangle. I think it might be my favourite trope. Yeah, you've made a lot of like really interesting points. I agree with pretty much everything you guys have said except that I am the minority here and I know it I know love triangle is like the favorite trope of all time in storytelling I don't like a love triangle trope at all I I know I think it's because if I'm invested in a couple anyone kind of coming in as like another prospect really just annoys me and it kind of annoys me that that original person is hesitating between them I'm like no no no! you have this person like you stick with them that's who I wanted you to be with so it kind of annoys me I do love a lot of angst in the relationship I like my angst to come from a different source I like it to be something like they feel they can't be together because of the greater good or because they might hurt each other somehow if they're together and actually 
my favorite romance trope is unrequited love weirdly I just think it's so romantic loving someone from afar when they don't notice you at all and like doing things for them that you know will be best for them but you're getting nothing back in return that is my worst trope I hate that trope <laughs> well I was gonna say I know you guys are gonna be sitting there saying who hurt you Jess <laughs> I promise like I am a happy person in real life married to a lovely man but in my fictional world I like my relationships to be riddled with heartbreak love triangles can be very heartbreaking I think because yeah. you wouldn't be confused between the two if there wasn't any hurt involved yeah I hear you they just annoy me <laughs> but this story was not just a romantic love story there was a camaraderie and love between friends Ara becomes very attached to her fellow tokens and she grieves each of their losses it was one of the things I liked most about her character. The fact that she had room, even though she was so consumed with her own pain and loss and grief and need for revenge, she still had room for empathy and compassion for other people. And I just really loved that about her. Take that and compare it to Theron, who was thinking only of himself and winning in his own glory. But character development is tricky when you have such a short space of time. And we didn't have very long with the tokens, especially the ones who died early on. So do you feel like we had enough with the tokens to be moved by their death? Well, I think this is a really good question because for me, when I saw this was a fantasy book, normally when I see fantasy, I don't expect that everything is going to be wrapped up and tied with a big red bow in one book, especially because there's not an awful lot of pages in this book. It's quite a fairly quick read, I would say. So for me, I was like, when I kind of obviously got to the end and realised it was a standalone book, and then reanalyzed everything, looked at the questions. I think my answer to this is no. I would have loved to have seen maybe a bit more, like you could have maybe span it out a wee bit more. I'm not saying it's rushed, but I do feel as if I liked some of the B cast, and you guys know me quite well, and I love a B cast. That is like what I'm here for. I love to see what the other characters are doing. I want a B person to follow and to champion. So I, I was... I don't feel as if I was overly saddened by the deaths. But does that sound terrible? I don't mean that to sound terrible, but like I, I don't think it affected me maybe as much as it could have affected me because I would have liked to have more of the characters because I liked the B cast. I did. And that's a credit to the writer because I thought, thought she wrote them well and I just feel as if um, I would have liked to know them better. I am so with you. I don't feel like I had enough time with them in order to feel sad about their deaths, in order to get to know them enough. I wanted the tasks to last longer. That's really hard after a glass of wine. The tasks <laughs> to last longer <laughs> because it was like the task is here and then it's done. And but I kind of felt like I knew who was about to die in a couple of the tasks. And I think I wanted more because of how much I was loving the story. And I think, again, this is like credit to Annalise because I, I love the story so much and I loved the way that she'd wrote the book and I loved the way she'd written the characters that I wanted more from them. Yeah I can't say that I got attached to the other tokens with the little time that I saw them obviously I grew more attached to the ones that lasted longer in the games that we had more time with so their deaths maybe hit a little harder. So I do I understand what you're both saying because at the end of this book I really looking back in it I was thinking I would have loved more of the games because that was what was in the blurb on the back. It's kind of, it was the hook. We came here for the games and to see what's happening in the games. Mm. And I would have just loved to have seen more of them and see them, seen them longer. But I would say that I got the grief and the heartbreak of those deaths through Ara. Since I was already connected to that character, I could feel her grief mm. and her loss with them. So I was still feeling that emotion, but it was through her. It wasn't 
just how I felt about those characters. So we've had these brutal games where our tokens are picked off one by one by all manner of strange beasts and horrors that the gods have thrown at them. And now we are at the end of our book. So Hades and his brothers have come to an agreement to set aside their own personal feuds, restoring the fate's tapestry that they've been weaving. And Theron gets his punishment. The tokens get a second chance at life. And Ara returns home and Hades returns to the underworld. So how did you feel about the ending? Did you, I have a lot of questions here. So did you think Theron's curse was too harsh? Did you think it was a bit of a cop-out having all the tokens be able to come back to life again after being killed off? And what did you think about how Ara and Hades left things? Well, um, I'm going to talk just a bit about the ending and answer your question. So I have to I have to be honest, because we're all being totally honest here. I was a bit gutted how easy it was for Ara to decide not to kill Zeus. Like... I, I'm really not a lover of someone coming. I know that she's her sister. And I know that they went into she went into um, this last game, and it was all about like facing her worst fear. And I get that her worst fear is her sister being unhappy in the underworld. And I totally get that. But I really struggle with things when it is the character hasn't come to this decision themselves. I feel like. As a children's author, we, this is drummed into us. The character needs the agency. The character has to decide how or learn how to defeat whatever they're defeating. They have to solve their own problem. Um, and then when her sister said, actually, just don't, can you not do this because I'm happy? She went, oh, okay, that's fine. And then it wasn't like spoken about anymore. I struggled with that personally. Um, I just I just felt it's like it was slightly too coincidental and I, oh god I, I hate saying this I just feel awful um that someone came in and just changed her mind on her whole reason for taking part of this game so I just wanted a bit more um like she could have discovered this for herself maybe she'd even seen her sister happy and she decided that this was what she wanted for her sister rather than her sister saying don't do this like but what I did love and there's so much more that I do love so just that you know that is just one tiny thing in the whole of the book um I loved that that Ara done that I love that she decided to give the tokens a second chance at life and not take something for herself even even um Theron she wanted him she wanted him to have another chance at life but the gods were like yeah no this isn't going to happen so I was quite happy to, for that and it really felt true to Ara's character to choose this for, for the other tokens and I also really loved how Ara and Hades left things. It wasn't like this beautiful, happy ever after as she decides to just go off with him and be a god and there'll be a love forever. She was like, no, no, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to do what I want to do um, and I'm going to be happy because she'd never been happy since her sister died. Mm. But she knew that eventually they would be together. And I, I love that. That's my little romantic mm-hmm. teenage believing heart that every boy in the world is truthful and honest. Um, and yeah, I just thought that was a beautiful moment and it made me very mm. happy. It was a lovely ending. Yeah, I um, I, I agree with a lot of what you've said there as well, but also have a kind of different take on things as well in some ways. I feel as if with the ending with Theron, for example, I feel as if like it was possibly exactly the way that it should be. Like the God's answer to how he should be punished is exactly what you would expect. And Ara's 
um, perception of what she would have wanted is exactly what you would uh, perceive. But I think that with with Ara, it's like sometimes in this life you don't always get what you want, and that is not what she would have had. That's not what she would have wanted. I personally would not have wanted a hard like I I like to see somebody having a chance of redemption, which you didn't have, because that's the way things are in life as well. It's like you have those moments in life where um, you wish they could be a certain way, but they're just not. Uh, so I thought that, that that was very well done. Um, I think that the way that Ara and Hades left things. You know, recently I read a book by somebody who who's writing I absolutely adore. And, you know, it had a different kind of ending for me where it wasn't all tied up in a big red bow, which usually is what I like. But there was, it was sort of an open-ended book where you could choose the way that the story ends for you. So you never really get uh, anything bad from that because whoever you are in the world can choose whatever outcome you want. And I liked that about this book because I felt as if Ara had come full circle. She had met her sister. She knew that her sister was happy. And I think because she's such a self-sacrificing person, that's why she didn't feel the need to kill Zeus anymore because of that because that is very true to her character. And I think that it just, it, her character just became more and more likable, more relatable to me uh, throughout the whole entirety of the book. So I, I love the way that things ended. I love that she finally chose herself at the end and she chose a path where she could actually decide how she wanted her life to pan out because she put everybody else first up until that point. And it was the time, it was her time you know, Hades isn't going anywhere. He's a Greek god, you know, he's there. But they had this moment which made her life change for the better, where she could actually find herself and be able to move on. And if they don't ever end up together, that's also okay. But they had this moment in time which will mean something to both of them. So I thought that, yeah, I thought it was actually quite a beautiful ending. Yeah, and it's interesting what you said there because I remember thinking, this similar to you, Shelley, when... I heard like Theron's punishment. I was like him losing the games and being beaten by her and everyone knowing that she beat him would have been enough of a humiliation for him to kind of learn his lesson. But also it's interesting what you said, Shelley, about how that mm. is true to the gods. And it is, they were just merciless in how they dealt out punishment. So it is something they would do. And it was true to Ara's character that she wouldn't feel good about that that she would just kind of feel the same way we felt reading it as well so I really liked that point there and I hadn't really thought of it from that point of view and I, I really agreed with that I loved Hades and Ara's relationship in this story but this is the problem with reading a lot of Greek mythology and being into it I know they don't end up together because I know Hades ends up with Persephone and I know he ends up marrying the goddess of spring and that's kind of how the ancient Greeks explained the seasons that the goddess of spring was taken down to the underworld and and that's how they kind of explained all that so knowing that he ended up with someone else but also knowing that Hades wanted Ara to live her life to the fullest and a full life involves love like falling in love finding your person maybe even starting a family and I think he wanted all of that for her and to I don't think she could have done that if she was still sort of in a relationship with him and hanging on to him for her whole life waiting for the moment she died to then be with him I think he would have wanted her to experience all those life experiences along the way I mean 
I don't know again if this just ties into my love of relationships ending beautifully and by that I don't mean ending happily ever after I mean like relationships breaking up but in a beautiful way I'm just such a sucker for that and so I sort of saw it as like a first love when you kind of you have that really meaningful time with someone but it's not the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with but you always kind of have they always have a little bit of your heart and you just want what's best for them and you you can go on and meet other people and still fully acknowledge that that was a beautiful thing you had and that's kind of how I saw this and I do I think in my mind I saw Hades looking out for Ara for the rest of her life and making sure she did not end up at the underworld before her time and but for him it would be enough that she would go and live this full beautiful life even if that was with other another person oh I love that now before we talk about next month we have some really exciting YA Book Jam news, as we mentioned earlier. Shelley's released her debut YA novel, Landis. So it's amazing. Arden and I have both read it, of course, and we love it. It's available from all good bookstores, and you should definitely go and buy it or put it on your Christmas list. But just in case you need more than just mine and Arden's word that it's amazing, Shelley, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, and I promise not to be too long-winded here. Um, so Landis is a world which is uh, peaceful living in terms of the people that live there and it's a world lost within our world. However, the people of Landis do not know that there's another world that exists without their own. So in this world we have a peaceful living, we have um, people that are nice and kind and everything is just lovely, but is it? No because no world is like that. So in this world, we've got your young prince, uh, Prince Benjamin, and it's his coming of age ceremony. That's where the book starts off, and he's about to receive a gift of power. He's a very anxious person. He's dealing with a lot in terms of his own mental health. So he doesn't know what's going to happen to him, and he doesn't know how he's going to deal with it. And on the other side of the island, 200 years ago, a dark princess was cast out there to a place called Obsidian Creek where she lies in wait, ready to have a moment where she can come back and reclaim her throne. So basically, this is what the story is about. It's about her and it's about Ben, and it's about Ben protecting his people from the threat that looms on the other side. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, so if that hasn't convinced you, I don't know what will, but um, <laughs> definitely go and find it. Um, by the time this podcast airs, it's available everywhere so do go and check it out um now next month our january choice is going to be picked by arden so before we finish up is there anything you can tease us about your choice oh well i i wanted something different i wanted something not dead sistery <laughs> and i wanted something oh <laughs> um, no that's what we're all here for I've ruined everything. I've ruined everything. Anyway, <laughs> we're in for something completely different. So we've done murder, horror. We've done demons, murderous games. We've done gods. And like, I feel like we've, we've covered a lot in our life, just in three podcasts. Yeah. Um, but for January, our YA book jam read, it's a friends to lovers, will they, won't they, mm. romance novel. But let's not get too warm and fuzzy. Prepare for tears as we embark on a journey of grief and drama too. It's written by one of my favourite YA authors. And I can just give you a clue. I think um, 
so what I will say is the last book I read of theirs is currently being adapted into a Netflix production starring Millie Bobby Brown. Ooh. And that's what I'm saying. Um, it's very exciting and I can't wait to watch that because that's probably one of my favourite YA books ever. Awesome. Yeah, I keep seeing it every time I go into the shop. I picked it up a few times, so that's I'm looking forward to it. Remember to keep an eye out on our social media for our book announcements so you can read along with us. Do let us know what you think about the podcast. We love hearing your feedback. Tell us your favourite characters and what you've loved about these books. Did you agree with us? Have we gotten it completely wrong? We want to know. So please DM us or put comments on our post and let us know. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. This has been YA Book Jam with JL Bleakley. Arden Jones. And Shelley Mack. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at YA Book Jam. And if you enjoy the podcast, Rate, review and subscribe where you listen. The US audio version of The Immortal Games by Annalise Avery will be available on January 3rd next year, 2024. And we are so excited to be able to exclusively announce that the actor voicing Hades will be none other than Dan Stevens. So please go and check that out. Shelley's debut YA novel, Landis, is now available from all good bookstores. To watch Arden interview authors and illustrators, check out Kidlet Live on YouTube and follow on Instagram at Kidlet Live. You can also follow Arden on Twitter and Instagram at Arden Jones Author. You can follow Shelley on Instagram at Shelley MacBooks for her author Q&As. And you can follow Jess at jlbleakley on Twitter and at j.l.bleakley on Instagram. 